I'll write you a letter tomorrow. Tonight I can't hold a pen. Someone got a stamp that I can borrow. I promise not to blow the address again. This is Music Heads from 89.3 The Current from Minnesota Public Radio. Thanks for dropping by. This is a weekly chat where a couple colleagues and I gather around and have a little fun discussing some of the new music we're playing on the station and to find out if it's working for us. Support comes from the Red Steak Supper Club with late night happy hour and weekly music, lunch, dinner, and late night seven days a week, and brunch on weekends focusing on locally farmed and organic ingredients. RedStagSupperClub.com. I'm the host of the show. My name's Bill DeVille. It's my pleasure to welcome today's guests. Back in the house again is Jade, our in-the-studio host. Welcome, Jade. Thanks for having me yet again. Mm -hmm. And our Radio Free Current and local show host David Campbell is here too. Hi, David. Hey, gang. Welcome back. This time in Music Heads, we'll discuss new albums from The weekend and Fleet Foxes. But first, Jade, it's your choice. So my choice this week is the latest from Foo Fighters. It's called Wasting Light, and it is pretty much the heaviest I've ever heard the Foo Fighters sounding. It's more in the vein of Dave Grohl's side project, These Crooked Vultures. Bringing in talents like Bob Mould and Butch Vig, Pat Smears back on board, as well as Chris Novoselic of Nirvana, bringing out the tough and fierce side of the Foo Fighters. And I think we all thought they had it in them, and I for one have been waiting for it to come to the surface. There's definitely a fever burning through the entire album. Uh, check out the pummeling rock and roll in this one, Arlandria. New album is called Wasting Light, Foo Fighters. Dave, is it working for you? You know, I thought what was interesting when I was reading a little bit about Foo Fighters, it's a band I've largely ignored for the last, well, what is this, their seventh record, something yeah. like that? I went to the All Music Guide, and it was like, compared to, sounds like, Incubus, <laughs> Bush, <laughs> Semisonic, which I don't understand that one. Oh, there's the, they have some of the poppy hits, too. Matchbox 20, Third Eye Blind, and Fuel. And yeah, I was just you like, that, yeah, you like, know why I ignore Foo Fighters <laughs> records? That's why I ignore Foo Fighters records. I think Dave Grohl is one H-E double hockey sticks of a drummer. He is he, indeed. He's a bad man. But I just have no interest in what he does when he gets a guitar in front of a band. Okay, it's, besides the preconceived notions. <laughs> it's, those are preconceived notions. Like I, I think I've heard stuff along the way. Like To me, this is just like, I don't like the vibe of it. This seems like music that should be played to accompany YouTube videos of fighter planes, you know, cruising around in the air, or like maybe they'd use it at a a Blue Devil show. It's not the world sonically that I'm interested in anyway. It's just kind of like big dumb rock. And I'm not talking like cool Zeppelin big dumb rock, but just kind of big dumb rock. But it's big dumb rock and, you know, made in 2011. Right, exactly. And I guess, like, if I had to listen to some Big Dumb Rock, I'd rather go back and listen to the Big Dumb Rock that came from the beginning, Um, which in in many ways isn't that dumb. Like, let me just quote a line for you. Dear Rosemary, you you got away, got away, got away from me. Now get away, get away, get away from me.
Yeah, he does know how to repeat a chorus. There's, <laughs> no, there's like, no doubt about that. He knows that. how to write a catchy tune. Oh, my God, that. man. So, yeah, I'm not a fan of the band, and this record to me was like maxed out Butch Vig, Super Sheen guitars. Like, everything was just... Sup- supersonic guitars. Yeah, like but yeah. not like in a good way for me. It sounded like it belongs on 93X. Well, I was going to say the same thing. It belongs on a modern classic rock station, if there is such a thing. I mean, I suppose that's 93X sort of thing. Yeah. It's today's new metal. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, Cinderella, Bon Jovi here. I mean, this is better than that. And well, I'll tell you where I'm at with the record. I, I actually think the record has a lot of strong moments as far as an album. It's a little disjointed for me. Just I, a little bit. I could see that. My heart's breaking just a little bit because I enjoy Sorry, this buddy. one. Sorry, buddy. I, I know okay. you're a fan. Yeah. I know. It's fine, you know, to each their own. I'll agree there were a couple bummer moments in the album for me. Back and forth, it was a little bit too formulaic. It yeah, was sort of in that rock. vein. Yeah. Yeah. A matter of time is sort of that same classic rock and roll. Mm-hmm. But I should have known. That's a little bit more bluesy rock. It's sort of haunting. There's that, some strings in it. That, that was, was cool. a very moving song. I should have known that it would end this way. I should have known there was no other way. Didn't hear your warning. Damn, I'm gone there. I should have known. Look at the shape you're in. I should have known. seems to be like he's addressing the Kurt Cobain suicide on that one and I should have known he should have known what was going on in Kurt's head and he didn't and and I think that enough time has passed now between he and Nirvana where he's doing some reminiscing about his years with the biggest band in the land at the time and I think he's coming to grips with a lot, and uh, he's kind of looking back on it. Well, that's the song that he invited Chris Novoselic to be part of as well. And uh, it was nice to see Jesse Green from the Twin Cities, the only track I think she's on in the album, as this is such a heavy guitar-driven album. I was also, you know, moved by the song, uh, track number 11, the song Walk. That, to me, was a great closer. I call it the Life After Kurt song. I think this album was kind of therapeutic for David Grohl to make that, you know, he's mentioning enough time had passed where he's comfortable to talk about, you know, those days in the old band. Yeah, and I found that one to be more user-friendly on this album. Like, if you're an old-school Foo Fighters fan, I think Walk is more in that vein, whereas the rest of the album is just bringing on the heavy, and it's so tight. And I know maybe that's the thing that Dave isn't feeling as much because there is no slip-ups the production on this is so smooth and everything is just like bam bam yeah. bam i think a lot of that was playing with josh home and uh john paul jones that was more raw though man yeah. something about that was like i guess this is what sticks in my craw about the foo fighters is that i like like an iggy pop kind of rawness you know like yeah, but the, the foo Stooges, fighters have never really they've never that. been that yeah. and even when them crooked vultures came out i felt like that was a little too clean it wasn't like 
tough they had enough. those angular licks and the licks you know. were bad and the beats were huge and that, I mean I really thought that was cool but then you get back to this is like saying like my favorite chef is McDonald's <laughs> you know it, it's just like it's just so simple and kind of watered down to me and there's one song that I thought was a huge massive misstep and that was that track White Limo What's with the vocal line? I kind of like that one because it was the only <laughs> thing he did different on the whole record. I mean, other than, you know, some of the sort of slower tunes toward the end of the record. I like the screechiness. Like, I've never heard him sing like that. Have you? No, it was so rough. banshee sound. I actually made a note of it saying, man, by the end of this tour, he's just not going to have maybe, a voice. Maybe that's not on the set list. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I admit that I'm kind of guilty of liking the poppier songs more mm-hmm. so than the more angular speed metal death metal whatever you want to call it sort of thing to me it's a missed bag it's got a number of winners and several moving moments i thought it was pretty okay yeah if you're a foo fighters fan i think it's the is it, are the foo fighter fans gonna like this record i think at the age i think they that like every at, record yeah i think i think that's pretty much how we all stand mm-hmm. foo fighters the new album is called wasting light this is music heads from 89.3 the current Fleet Fox's highly anticipated new album is called Helplessness Blues. The band is led by Robin Pecknold and his childhood friend guitarist Skylar Skelset. Fleet Foxes are a group whose music is based on their four-part harmonies. They seem influenced by the 60s and 70s sounds of the Zombies, Beach Boys, Dylan and Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, among others. They mix Baroque pop elements with elements from classic rock and British folk. These gents first gained steam in the UK after the release of their first album, which eventually caught on in the States, selling some 400,000 copies. A pretty significant number this day and age. Helplessness Blues continues the band's tradition of harmony-laden music. It's also quite an ambitious and personal affair. Pecknold's songs often sound like diary entries. Here's a track from the album called Blue Spotted Tail. Why is life made only for the end? Why do I do all this waiting then? Why this frightened part of me that's faded to pretend? Why is life made only for the end? The album is called Helplessness Blues. It's Fleet Foxes. Jade, is it working for you? It's beautiful. And I was reading a lot on sort of the backstory of this new album of theirs. And man, Robin, their lead singer, was going crazy during this album, which I can totally understand because if your first album sells out massively and everyone's like, you're the next big thing. There's a lot of pressure on this yeah, guy. Yeah, there, this is, there is. There there was, was a lot. There's mm-hmm. a, you're, you're on the top and there's only down to look at, basically. Mm-hmm. Imagine if at a young age in your life you took a look at Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys and you're like, oh, it's important for me to be talented and, and to really work hard at developing those talents. You know, what are you going to do? You're going to pull a smile a little bit, you know, and freak out and maybe lose the plot. And he's got one major addiction, too. It's music. Yeah. He's totally addicted (laughs) to the idea of it. So I imagine it's tough to find some, you know, grounding, to stay grounded. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, he broke up with his girlfriend. He drove her away by creating this. She broke up with him. Well, she broke up with him. Like we know him. (laughs) (laughs) She broke up with him. All of a sudden, it becomes the tabloids in Mm -hmm. the current. But he's taking so many things that. You can just tell, I mean, it could have sounded overthought out, yeah. overworked, because he brought in all this different crazy instrumentation. He is, you know, reading all these different poems, trying to bring all of those references, trying to reference Van Morrison and Astral Weeks. Like, he's trying to do all of this stuff in one album. That's a lot. Yeah. But somehow it sounds beautiful. Jade, what caught your ear, by the way? Uh, 
I believe it's called Bedouin dress, and it sounded like some old school folk tune or. Yeah, I thought of Simon and Garfunkel yeah. right out of the gate. Yeah, with the, the harmonies and uh, got my toes a tap, and I thought that was just beautiful as well. Just to be. His attention to detail, you know, with lines like geometric pattern dress, you know, the songs have such attention to detail. They often read like entries from a diary or something about uh, the breakup with the girlfriend, however that went down. And uh, I thought that lyrically it's strong. It, it's kind of meandering music. It just kind of wanders around and it's just comfortable. Yeah. yeah. And I think to the casual listener, my boyfriend was listening to it with me and he was like, this sounds like old Fleet Foxes. And I think that's yep. saying something. I think that's saying like, congratulations on making an album that sounds extremely similar and I think mm. in a lot of ways better than the first one. I really... That first one's pretty good too. Yeah. And the EPs. <laughs> yeah. The Sun Giant EP was my favorite thing until this. This is something. I don't mm. know how we're going to look back at this record in 10 or 20 years or how this record will be viewed, especially because it's sort of a cornucopia of retro sounds. Yeah. This is not a new sounding thing. This guy's not out there pushing the boundaries of sonic innovation. But it's not like a museum piece either. It's no, just, it's, it's just an album that's classic. It is. Yeah. It's a it new class. The new classic. But this yeah. to me is on par with Astro Weeks. I feel like he achieved what he set out to do, which was have that sort of loose, soulful kind of feeling that you get on an Astro Weeks. But it's also like clearly. This is orchestrated music. Mm -hmm. This is an indie guy doing classical music for all intents and purposes, didn't you think? Yeah, I think so. There's more literal pieces, like, for example, the track that we're playing a lot on the station here, uh, Helplessness Blues, which, by the way, is certainly the centerpiece of, oh, definitely. of the record. Definitely, and, yes. is, and is The crown jewel is the way I described it's a it. Yeah. It's a 10 of 10. Mm -hmm. It's an 11 mm -hmm. of 10. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's so beautiful. And now after some thinking, I'd say I'd a functioning cog in some great machinery serving something beyond me. But I don't, I don't know what that will be. I'll get back to you someday soon, you will see. There's story in that. Some of the lyrics are just like kind of odd things that sound great together, and who mm -hmm. knows what he actually means by it. But that song specifically... Well, the, an, the, the voice is just another instrument in the overall sound right. of the music. But he, when he does narrative in pieces, it works as well, too. I can't say enough about what a great second effort this is. They, the chances for him to outdo what he did the first time, or even just do something on par with that, were slim. That's hard to do. It's hard mm -hmm. to all of a sudden become famous and tour the country a couple times over and then come back and make a great record when you've had your whole life to make the first record, and now you have, like two years to assemble. It's a sophomore slump. You yeah, know, that's, that's why it so it's often happens. for a reason, yeah. but mm -hmm. this is like, this is an exceptional achievement, I feel like. Yeah, what did you guys think of track number 10, The Shrine and Argument, the piece that almost sounds like, uh, you know, it's, it has like four parts to it, you know? It's like a diary read aloud, and it just, there's all kinds of weirdness in it. it goes in several different directions, all at once, kind of. He does that in several of the songs, but on that one in particular. In the ocean, washing up Morning in the morning 
heard a new voice from him that I haven't heard. There was a growl to it that he normally tries to keep his voice very soft. Mm -hmm. And another thing that I read was that he wanted to do everything in one take. He wanted to keep that raw. If he made a mistake, he wanted to keep that in. And there's almost a moment in that song where it sounds like he hit sort of a wrong note and that's where it got a little bit more raw. And I really liked that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. The crazy orchestra going on about the six minute 40 second mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, there, there are several marks in that song. It starts off as this kind of acoustic guitar and harmonies, just him and some harmonies. And that was about it. Then it's this kind of horn freak out going on, kind of a jam session. And uh, the whole thing was like a classical suite or something like that with its odd twists and turns. It's just bigger than rock and roll, this record and this band, I think. Mm-hmm. Fleet Foxes, the album is called Helplessness Blues. This is Music Heads from 89.3 The Current. And now for something completely different. <laughs> it's David Campbell. He's going to talk about The weekend. Oh, man. Who's ready to hop into the hype machine and uh, put the pedal all the way to the floor? Basically unknown, two or three months ago, The weekend is officially popping. Everybody's talking about this uh, band that isn't a band. Strangely enough, in both the indie world, which seems to have a newfound love for R&B, which has been kind of quietly brewing over the last two years. A lot of James Blake. Yep, and, there mm-hmm. you go. And also the mainstream R&B crowd, especially after the Drake endorsement. I mean, when a guy like that gets on board with a project like this. When he tweets about you. Hey! Um, and links, too. He tweeted and linked. You know, a Toronto singer and a couple of producers, Doc McKinney and Elangelo, are the primary parties responsible for this weekend record. But, you know, now the offers are coming in for them to do shows and like this isn't an album that's even been released technically. It's still like a mixtape that's flying around out there. So we thought it would be fun to uh, grab something uh, from the new and hot and uh, toss it around to each other and see what we thought of it. Bill and Jade, both of you guys are really interested in hearing what you think of this. Let's hear a track first, though. Uh, This is What You Need from the weekend's record, House of Balloons. The weekend, the album is called House of Balloons. Jade, is it working for you? You know, I'm no prude. I'm going to clarify that. <laughs> this will make you blush a little bit. <laughs> I, I think you're blushing right I'm, now. I am. I'm blushing right now just thinking about how when I was listening to it, I blushed a little bit. And I actually out loud laughed from like nervousness and sort of looked around like, yeah. I hope no one thinks this is the, the sort of lady I am. Because... Uh, Man, you know, take the sex and drugs and toss them in. What's with left? Some... There's, there's nothing left if you take away that stuff. I <laughs> know, uh, yeah, man. This is a, uh, it is a dark, down tempo, low down groove of an album. And not to say that there aren't some jams that I was really getting into, but sometimes the amount of X rated language. Shall we say? The language is a put-off. It's a put-off, yeah. It is. And, and it makes you seem like you got, if you all you have is F-bombs and Edwards and stuff like that, the craft goes away. It just becomes, you Sonically, know, yeah. very interesting. The yeah. same way that that Blake record, I think like this is kind of a cool new sort of 
at least new to me, yeah. sort of a realm that is being explored right now. And I can see why people like it. It's smooth, man. It's smoky. It's a little druggy. It's sexy. But then some of the language, I was just like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa, what, what? Between the language and a little bit uh, overdone on the auto tune, which you know always. Yeah, you're not an auto tune. Not an auto tune. Yeah, but guy. where do you stand on this record, Bill? Coming um, from uh, you know loving like the old soul sounds, uh, the the classic stuff. Like, how does it something? Yeah, I, d- I didn't really like this record much yeah. at all. I would have if I didn't have to listen to it for music heads. I would have hit the eject button somewhere in uh, let's see by track number three, two thirds of the way through. I would have bailed. <laughs> And well, I'm glad I, listened, I could subject you to this. <laughs> I would have been able to stick it out, though. Yeah, and I went through it, and uh, most of that I don't care for. You know, it, it does have some merit. You know, it sounds like bad top 40 a lot of the time, too. I mean, it sounds like the top 40 that's bubbling under that never makes it because of the lyrics. And It um, definitely flirts with the mainstream R&B sound. Yeah. And, and I think that's what's interesting about this is seeing the reaction that a lot of people have had to it. You realize that the worlds are oddly enough, becoming closer together. I mean, there's always been a place for hip-hop in sort of the Indian underground world, but never mainstream R&B other than through irony, you know? Mm -hmm. The fascination with, like, the R. Kelly videos and stuff like that, which I never really understood. (laughs) People would say R. Kelly's a genius. I was like, get out of here, you're a moron. But it's not ironic. It's genuine interest in it, and so I'm still trying to sort of figure out what's actually happening movement-wise yeah, here. Yeah. But, you know, this is an interesting piece of the puzzle. You know, if the station tried to make edits for this, it would sound like Swiss cheese. Yeah. I mean, because it's just too much is required. You know, if there's a couple of expletives, you can kind of flip them backwards, throw in a beat there. But the art goes away once you start doing that, if there is, in fact, any art here at all. I mean, there's and, some cool sampling. Yeah. There's Susie and the Banshees on House of Balloons. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. a really cool job of sampling. He also samples Beach House. I dug that. Musically, there were some cool things. But it just kept reminding me of an SNL skit where they're doing, like, the X-rated version of a slow jam love song. This is Mother Lover for yeah, you, wasn't it? Exactly. Over and over again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know what would be interesting? If Justin Vernon made a record like this, I would not bat an eye because that guy's a fantastic songwriter. you got a couple of heavyweight producers and somebody with a real voice on this record, but it feels like they're missing somebody who's, like, putting the words together for them. Yeah, that they seems need true. Like, have mm-hmm. a so- having a, a great songwriter would make a record like this really I feel like a home run well it's an out to the, me the, so, the sonic the sonic <laughs> landscape I think is definitely interesting it sounds like gangs I mean when you say bon Iver, it yeah, has a little bit of that 10 cc the gangs thing I thought was far sexier yeah yeah I think so I didn't really love that either but I thought it was far sexier than this House of Balloons is the name of the new album from the weekend. Now it's time for the portion of the show where we invite you to get involved. It's the musical question of the week, and here's how it works. Every week we'll ask a question, and you can join in. My guests and I will start off, then invite you to answer online. And today's question, who is your favorite singing drummer? Who wants to be first? You, Dave? Sure. Bill and I cheated and told each other who we uh, are. are so we oh no! Pick. So I'm the odd man out. No, because I, I thought I was going to pick Bill's. We but, both thought we each other would. But pick the two Levon that, home, yeah. So. But I think I am going to go with Levon Helm. Are you? I was. Oh, I knew one of you guys was going to go for that. I, you know, like as far as a combination of both skill as a drummer and it's just a vocal style that I really love. Like you can say what you want to say about this. I love Phil Collins as a singer. <laughs> But I can't stand listening to him play the drums, and I really like like Buddy Miles was right up there. I, that guy's a pretty bad man, but Levon, when it comes down to it, that voice is just incredible, and he has uh, that uh, sort of laid back, like yeah. in the pocket, grooving style that 
I mean, you can't buy. You can't learn that. You just... Up on Cripple Creek. You know, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And, you know, the sad part about all that, you know, I've always been a big fan of his singing, and I go to see him at the Austin City Limits Music Festival in 2009. He had that bout of throat cancer. He came back stronger than ever after his voice went away for a few years. But then something else was going wrong, so he took the tour off on the vocals. He was behind the kit, mm-hmm. but he wasn't singing. So He'll be back if he can. That man loves can, to sing. He does indeed, but I'm a big fan as well. Nice pick, Dave. And how about you, Jade? Uh, this one was so hard because I knew you guys were, both of you were going to have that one. I knew somebody <laughs> else was going to grab it. So I was like, all right, Jade, let's dig a little deeper. And we were talking about Foo Fighters. So I was like, well, Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl. Yeah, he's why a, not? Dave Grohl's a great so singing good. drummer. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. I thought about Jack White because I saw him with Dead Weather stepping yeah, behind. Right. I wouldn't even have thought of that. Yeah. yeah I and, wouldn't either. And so I think I was going between those two and... You know, they're both, in my opinion, really great drummers. Jack White, I'm going to give it to him, though, because he is my multitasking god. And he can sing, he can produce, he can play guitar, he can shred a little bit, and he can rock it on the drums. Yeah, and he's quite a businessman, and uh, I'm a big fan of everything Jack does. The record label, the working with old people who need a little push in the right direction with some name recognition producer you know, like the album he did with Wanda Jackson. Wanda Jackson. Or, yeah. man, the uh, Van Leer Rose. What a record oh, that was. Oh, that's an incredible record. That's an incredible record. Nice pick, Jade. What did I choose? What did you pick? Tony Allen. Tony Allen. I would people, not have thought of that one, too. Always, Justin, yeah, people just, always think of him as nothing but, uh, well, nothing but the greatest drummer ever. But um, <laughs> all the records he makes, he's got vocals on him. He's not the greatest singer. I wouldn't even really call him a singer. It's more of a, almost a spoken word. His voice is more of a percussive instrument, but he's very effective delivering his lyrics in words and he's quite good at doing it and after seeing the show over the weekend that was so good down at the Cedar Cultural Center oh, I'm so envious of you yeah and you know he's it's surprising people never talk about his vocals at all ever and uh, I thought he was a very effective singer he's 70 and he seems like he's like 45 he's like Charlie Watts he doesn't break a sweat he's so efficient in the way he moves behind the kit you smooth know? mover huh yes so that's my pick Tony Allen the legendary Afrobeat drummer Who is your favorite singing drummer? We want to know. Chime in at thecurrent.org and look for music heads. In this episode, we discussed The Weeknd's new album, House of Balloons, as well as Fleet Fox's Helplessness Blues album and Foo Fighters' new effort, Wasting Light. I want to thank Jade and Dave for joining me today for Music Heads. As always, a blast. Yeah, that was fun. It's a wrap. Thanks for checking it out. You can subscribe to the podcast of the show by clicking on Music Heads when you go to thecurrent.org. The program is produced and edited by Scott Adamson. Yours truly is the executive producer. Peter Vowley and Brett Baldwin are the podcast production coordinators. Julia Schrankler manages our show's online discussion, which you can join. Go to thecurrent.org and look for Music Heads. Then follow the links to join the discussion. Thanks to members of Minnesota Public Radio who make shows like this one possible. I'm Bill DeVille from 89.3 The Current, part of Minnesota Public Radio. Music Heads, is it working for you? Music